listening to the Faithology Podcast with John Barrett, where you'll hear great ideas, interviews, and inspiration to help maximize your spiritual growth. Hey guys, you're listening to the Faithology Podcast. I am John Barrett, and I am so excited that you are tuning in to this episode. We are going to have some great stuff for you today that's going to help inspire you, that's going to be able to feed your faith to go to a whole new level, give you some tips on life and just how to be everything that God wants you to be. And I am super duper, scooper, hooper excited about having you here today. I have got with me today a very, very good friend and my own senior pastor at Hoosier Harvest Church in Martinsville, Indiana, Mr. Chris page in the house ladies and gentlemen there goes the applause track <laughs> right there and glad to be with you john and yes. the worldwide audience that's right we all of our listeners i love it i think we have like 50 million subscribers today and 200 billion listeners and no oh, okay. that's just in martinsville that's right that's just mm-hmm. here locally so no uh this has been great guys the faithology podcast is doing very very well we were on the new and noteworthy section Uh, on iTunes and all that, so very, very cool. But enough about that. Let's talk about Chris Page in the house today. Chris, I am excited that you are here to do this today. I think that listeners are going to get some great stuff coming from you today. You know, the reason I wanted you on the show is because you are one of the most consistent persons that I know on the face of the planet in terms of your mood, your consistency, your positivity, and uh, you just kind of exude that, Chris. I mean, you really do. Like, I I can honestly say, you know, you, you get up in front of people every week, a, a load of people that you're speaking to, and what you see on stage and what you see every day in the office, every time that I've ever been with you, it is the same person. Which is very unique, right? Because there's a lot of people that they're, they're very inconsistent in terms of their mood, their attitude. They, they kind of, you know, shift with every little thing that happens in life. But you are even killed. You are incredibly the same person, which is a positive person, which is a very upbeat person all the time. And, you know, I being a pastor, I, I, I can only imagine that being the senior pastor of a church of the size that, that Hoosier Harvest is, that there's a lot of demands, right? I mean, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of decision-making that comes along with it. Um, There's a lot of just stuff that you're dealing with, um, whether it be just internally or even just people coming at you. And uh, there's a lot of weight of responsibility. So let me ask you, how do you keep so consistent in in your mood and your positivity? How is it that you are so authentic on the stage, off the stage, everyday life, how does that work? Well, you? What's your secret sauce? First of all, I thank God that my wife is not here for this podcast. <laughs> ah, that's right. Uh, she might have a different she, story. Huh? She uh, she might uh, say some things differently. But no, I, actually, I, I think she would say that things are fairly consistent. Yes. Um, and I've, I've thought about that. I think, John, you were the first one who mentioned that to me several years ago, that you said, I, I'm the same person everywhere that I go, and I've never even thought about it. It's never crossed my mind. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't anything that I felt like I was doing intentionally, but I will have to admit this. It is something that I want to be. Yes. I, I've always wanted to be a consistent person, but until you said that several years ago, uh, it really didn't confirm with me that that is something that was happening, and I thank God for that. Um, I, I love the scripture where um, 
it talks about, I believe it was Paul that was speaking, said, do everything in moderation, which means staying in the middle of everything that you do, not to get to one extreme or the other. I've always believed that we need margin in our life. And what I mean by that is if, uh, I've always used the illustration, if uh, it's, it's like the young boy who uh, in the middle of the night, his parents heard a big thud and uh, they ran into the boy's room and they had two sons that had bunk beds and they saw that their son who was on the top bunk was laying flat on the, on the carpet. And they said, what happened? And the, the boy said, I, he said, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in at. Hmm. In other words, he was, he was <laughs> sleeping on the edge, and it just took one little nudge for him to fall off and splat on the floor. And, and margin is basically moving to the middle of the mattress so that when life happens, and when, when emotions happen, you've got some margin there to where you're not close to the edge, but you live in the middle. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's some ebb and flow there that protects you uh, when life situation happens or emotions run high or you get into a uh, conflict with your wife, uh, your children, that you have some margin there before things splat. Yeah. And I always make sure that I stay in the middle because most people live on the edge and it just takes something small to really get them emotional to where they're uh, unreasonable or they're irrational or they're angry and uh, do all things in moderation. And I, and I feel like that uh, applies to everything that I do yeah. in life. And it, it's, it's a really peaceful way to live, That's I good. might add. Well, I like that moving to the middle of the mattress. I like that because, you know, when you think about a mattress, right, it represents rest and relaxation and those things. And when you're in the middle of the mattress is when you're like in the sweet spot, right? When you're truly restful, you're peaceful. And, and I think it, it, it's like that in life. When we're living in the middle, that sweet spot of, of not overreacting, not allowing emotion and other things to get us to fall off the edge, uh, we're in that rest and that peace of God. You know, we're just like a mattress would give you physical rest. We're in that spiritual rest. Right. Why do you think that people live on the edge so much? I mean, what, why is it that we're drawn to the edge of the mattress? Why is it that people just tend to fall off so easily, right? I mean, not to make light of situations that people are facing. There's some challenging things that people face. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're facing some challenging things. But why is it that it seems like so many people fall off the edge of that mattress? Why Why do we live so close to that edge? What, what in your perspective, what is it? I think that, we all live on the edge, but it takes practice. See, pe- people probably think that I'm a really calm, mild, unemotional person, so it's easy to, to stay consistent. And John, you know me well enough and the people that know me know I'm very emotional. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate. Um, I, can, I can be loud. I can cry uh, very easily and very quickly. So it's not because I'm an unemotional person. I think that everybody lives on the edge and it has really nothing to do with personality, but it takes practice. Mm-hmm. In other words, I could live on the edge. It's not that, well, this is how God packed me. Sure. And you're lucky. And everybody yes, else isn't. Everybody lives on the edge. But I have, I've had to practice over the years getting perspective on, on what is a big deal and what isn't. There's a, um, there's a fella that just uh, recently passed away at our church named Jim Dillman. Mm-hmm. And Jim and I had a good camaraderie, and he uh, passed of uh, pancreatic cancer 
And uh, we both like history. We both like Native American culture. We had a lot in common. And Jim and I had a similar personality. He was a parts manager for 30-something years, so he had a lot of responsibilities. He managed other people, but he always stayed calm, and he always was consistent. And uh, I I was over there seeing Jim a few days before he died in his home, and uh, I looked up on his shelf, and he had a sign. And it's a saying that we've heard a lot recently in our society, and people probably are tired of the saying, but I've lived by this saying, and so did Jim. I didn't realize he did until I saw his sign on his bookshelf, and it said, it is what it is. Nice. And I said, Jim, I say that all the time. I can't believe you have a... And what's what's really cool is he gave me that before he oh, died, wow. and I have it in my church wow. office now. How cool is that? It's very neat. But, but bottom line is this. If you can live really with that perspective on something that happens in our life that can knock us off course, that can get us emotional, that can get us angry, that can rile us up, that can make us depressed. There's, we have opportunities every day to be depressed, to be anxious, to be fearful. But if you can realize, hey, this happened, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I can make it worse and get emotional and get out of control and be mad about it, be upset about it, but I'm going to focus more on what I can do to make things better. Because if I get emotional about this, I'm out of the game. If I'm emotional about my kids messing up in school, I'm out of the game. I can't help them because I'm upset, because maybe they're upset. And emotions are good, but they need to be reined in and balanced. That's why I like to keep my emotions in the middle of the mattress. That way, if I do get a little excited, I do get a little down about something, and I roll over, I still haven't fallen off yes but we automatically live on the edge i tell people all the time we have to practice living in the middle in other words when something comes up or your wife throws something in your direction or something happens to you in life where you have a great chance to be emotional yeah you have to practice saying wait a second it is what it is now let's do this or let's approach it this way and i you know i'm not perfect there's times i've got riled up but i try to keep those times private Sure. And it's really good that to have an outlet of people that you trust. The reason that you think I'm consistent is because if I get really upset about something, I might there, I might go to my father, go over to his house and say, Dad, this is killing me. Mm-hmm. And I get it off my chest and I'm fine. But if I did that in public, then I am not that consistent person anymore. you got to know where to target your um, emotions, so to speak. It's That's not good. that I just don't care about anything and I'm even keel all the time. And, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the case. I just know where to place my emotions, uh, where it's healthy that's good. and where it's beneficial and then move on from there. Yeah. I like that. What, what a tip too, that, you know, having that release, you know, like a valve pressure, you know, if you think of, you know, engineering and whenever there's a machine or something that's building up pressure, there's always this mechanism, this valve release where the, the pressure is released from that so that it doesn't explode, right? It doesn't build up and, and spontaneously combust. Um, and it has a valve release in it, a pressure releaser. 
And, and I like what you said there, that, that you've got healthy outlets. It's not that no pressure isn't building up. The myth is... Everybody's well, got pressure. Yeah. The myth is, well, if I can just get to the middle, maybe there'll be no pressure. Maybe I'll just get to that sweet spot where it's just perfect and there's no challenges. Well, that that's not going to happen on this side of life. Maybe in heaven one day, or, or it will, but not on this side. So we all have pressure, but it's the ones that understand where the valve is. That, that really, I think, succeed in life. Just like you're saying, you found those healthy outlets, you know, maybe by going to an accountability partner, whether that's your father or maybe even a friend or maybe even just getting away, right? Maybe sometimes just, just hey, I just kind of got to get by myself and, and just away and just kind of let the valve release, you know, however that is, you know, maybe that's going out into the woods for some people. Maybe that's taking a drive. I know for me personally, um, there's a lot of times that it, it's odd. I know. I don't know why, but uh, it's just me. It's just the way that I am. But sometimes to let my valve release, I like to just go um, to a crowded place, like to a mall or or just a store and just kind of walk around. You know, sometimes I'll even go to Walmart, literally, just to kind of walk around by myself. And, and I'm not really doing anything. I'm just allowing sort of the pressure to release into my mind to get off some things and just to kind of escape. So I like what you said about that. Is there some other things that, that you have found some tips? I mean, you mentioned your dad being sort of that pressure release, you know, you're, you're uh, letting that valve go there. Is there some other things that you have found that, that maybe could just be some good ideas or some tips? What are some other things that you do to kind of release that valve when pressure is building up? Well, the, the main way that pressure builds up is people, other yes. people, yeah. uh, relationships, and what people say to us and how we react to that. That's the number one source of what builds up pressure that challenges us to knocks us out of the middle of the mattress, so yes. to speak. And here's what I've learned. A lot of people will come up after a Sunday service, and this is typical for all pastors, and people come up and, and say, what a great message that was. That really hit me, mm-hmm. and that changed my life. And here's what I've learned to do. I say thank you, and that means a lot that God is using me to help you. That way I'm giving God the credit. But I've learned this, not to get too high with people's praise. That's good. Because if you get too high with people's praise, you will get too low with their criticisms. That's good. It's staying in the middle. Mm. Because if you get too high on one end, you're going to get too low on the other. And so I do appreciate people because I feed off appreciation. If I was able to help someone, that means a lot to me. I don't act like it necessarily. But because I don't want to get so emotional that if someone comes up and say that my message stunk, (laughs) that That I'm not going to preach the next two months because of that. I don't want to be that person. So if somebody does have criticism... I'm able to handle it much better going, hmm, maybe they've got a point here. I need to look at this instead of thinking that you know, they're crazy, they're, sure. you know, I'm not that bad of a person, or I'm better than what they're saying. I, it, it, I don't go that direction because I don't get too high with the praise, which helps me not get too low with the criticism. I like that and, a lot. And I, the other thing is, you know, you've seen maybe shirts that say this. It says, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the line under that is, everything's small stuff. <laughs> that's and, right. And that's kind of a, a model that I live by as well, because I think that emotions and fear and anger and frustration make the wolf bigger than he is. Yeah. Our emotions take things and they blow it out of proportion. It's really small stuff. But when we get emotional, it becomes big. 
It, we get out of proportion. We get a, the wrong perspective. I always call it looking out of the wrong side of the binoculars. Because if you look out of one side of the binoculars, it amplifies everything. If you flip yes. the binoculars over and you look at the same thing, it looks like it's real far away. So I like looking out of the opposite end of the binoculars That's to where good. things are a lot smaller than they really are. I don't want to magnify them with my emotions because I will be emotional. I can't avoid that, but I can control how it changes my perspective. God gave us emotions. He just yeah. asked us to control them. God gave us appetites. He just asked us to control them. God gave us a, a sexual behavior. He just asked us to control it. So everything has to be done in moderation, including our emotions and, and everything that we face and, and that we go through. I'm also a believer in this, John, and you've heard me say this many, many times from the platform. I believe that when something comes into our life, that we do everything we can to either reconcile it to fix it. If we are without a job, do everything in our power to put in applications and resumes out and don't sit on the couch and flip the remote control if yeah. you need to get a job. You do everything you can and then be at peace and God will do everything that you can't. Yeah, that's good. That keeps a consistent lifestyle for me. That's real big to me is, is I'm going to do everything that I can. Now, if I haven't done everything I can, I can point the finger at me. Mm -hmm. Then I don't have that peace. I don't have that consistency if I can do more. But if I've done everything I can, then I need to rest in that. Even if I don't get the result that I want, I'm going to have to do everything I can and God will do everything that I can't and yeah. trust it, even if it takes time. So that helps me at least stay in that consistent lifestyle of peace. I love and, it. and I really do have peace in my life most of the time. If I have stress, it's very, very temporary. I can't control stress coming in my life. Sure. I can only control how long it stays in my life. That's good. That's the only thing I have control over. Well, and I think that, you know, when, when you say that peace that you have, I think it's a lot of faith. It's faith and Absolutely. trust that, that I'm going to do what I can and God can do what I can't. And that's a real place of faith. You know, this whole uh, podcast is faithology. You know, the idea is to build your faith and to rock your faith. And and I love that because I think what I'm uh, hearing a lot of, Chris, is that there's this level of faith in you and trust that, you know what, I, it's, it's out of my hands, right? I can't control what happens to me. I can only control how I respond to that. And if I'm filled with faith and trust and peace then you know what? I can only do so much anyway. I mean, I just, I'll Accepting do everything that. I can. Yeah. Accepting and, that. And God do what I can. And so if there's something that's out of my control that I just can't do really anything about, well, that's when faith kicks in. I mean, that's, that's when it's like, look, I just got to trust God. And and I think that that's what gets you back to that center of the mattress is to understand that, that faith is what that mattress is built of. I mean, it really is. And it's a great that angle. sweet spot of faith is that soft spot in the middle where you just sink in and you just rest in the arms of a God who is sovereign, who is in control, who's got you in his hands. He's not surprised. You made a statement um, just a few weeks ago on Sunday where you said, um, did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to God? Right? I thought that was a great statement. He's not nervous. Yeah. You know, he's not taken by surprise. So that sweet spot of faith is to understand that, hey, God's got me. He knows what's coming ahead and, and, and that. You know, one thing I want to ask you is this. You're known for, for teaching something that you call the quicksand principle. 
And I think it really applies to this idea of of faith, of trust. You mentioned earlier that you know the, the the main way that stress and anger and bitterness and resentment or whatever comes into our life, fear is really through people. It's the relationships it's that one. we have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have a thing that you teach called the quicksand principle, which I think is brilliant. Um, but kind of tell us about that and and how it relates to this idea of being able to be consistent, living in that sweet spot of faith and rest, but this whole idea of why we kind of fall off the mattress, maybe into the quicksand, kind of talk about that for a minute, the quicksand principle, as you call it. Yeah, John, I uh, know you're a prolific book writer, <laughs> uh, author. That's and, right. Uh, yes, and uh, yeah, get, go go uh, check out John Barrett's books, by the ah, way. I've, I've read them all. Uh, you have. I have. Give me it. some good and I And your Faithology book, I thought, uh, to me, everybody's got favorites, but that really stood out to me. But um, if I ever did write a book in the future, and you've encouraged me yeah. to do that, I know yes. that you know what the impact they have, it would probably be on this quicksand principle. Yeah. Uh, about 12 years ago, I was in an appointment uh, in my office with a with a fella, and his life was all about it was it was sinking because of all of these things that people were doing in his life, his wife, his children, his parents, and none of these were really directly related to him. It was stuff they were going through. His mm-hmm. parents were going through his wife, his children, and he was a mess. Uh, he was uh, frustrated. He was literally depressed and. During this conversation, I literally had a revelation mm. sitting at that table in my office. I'll never forget. It's like a movie reel going off <laughs> in my mind, and I, and I saw it very clearly as I was having this conversation with this fella. And here's what I saw. I saw a picture of a person that was stuck in quicksand, okay? And here is the, here is the premise of the quicksand principle. If I see... Anyone in my life, my wife, my children, an acquaintance, someone here at church, you, John, somebody that doesn't like me, somebody that does like me, it doesn't matter who it is. I like to help people. And I will go over if someone is stuck in a situation emotionally or or otherwise, and I will always reach my hand in and help pull them out. I will say, give me your hand. I will help you how I can. And if they grab my hand and give me an opportunity to pull them out, then that's a, that's a win. That's a mm-hmm. victory. However, the moment that a person whose hand I grab to help starts pulling me in to the quicksand instead of me pulling them out because they're not letting me pull them out, and they just want to grovel and they want to stay angry and they want to try to pull me in, the first thing I'm going to do is let go. Mm-hmm. That, that's my wife. That's an acquaintance. It doesn't matter who it is because it's not my problem. And a lot of people challenge me on that and say, of course, it's your problem. It's your wife. It's your kids. But it's not my problem. It's their problem. And that doesn't make me less compassionate. It just makes me be able to separate my emotions from what they're going through because if I'm pulled in their quicksand, I'm stuck. Yeah. They're stuck. And now somebody's got to help them at all. Somebody's got to pull both of us out now. Yes. Because I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated, I'm so stuck that I can't help them anymore because I'm in the quicksand. So I let go. That doesn't mean that I won't come back and make another attempt to pull them out. I will. I love them. I care about them. And so I will. But I will not let, under any circumstance, someone pull me into their emotional pool because the moment that that happens, I am stuck and cannot help them. I don't want to be the part of the problem. 
I want to be part of the solution. And I can't solve my kids' problems if I'm emotional to the point to where I'm so frustrated I can't help them. Mm -hmm. And so that is the quicksand principle that you always need to let go. That doesn't mean you give up on them or that you love them less. It just means that you refuse to get in someone else's quicksand. And has that been tested on me? <laughs> uh, you know, my daughter, bless her heart, she's she's wonderful. She's uh, 21 years old. She's independent, working a job out in Champaign, Illinois, very responsible, a great kid, loves God. Uh, she went through a stage where she was having issues uh, with a boy. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I were could have went crazy. In fact, we were on the edge <laughs> on of the, the mattress. <laughs> we got to the edge. But I had to practice what I preached. And I said, you know, this is Kaylee's problem. We will discipline her. We will ground her if needed. We will explain things to her. But I am not going to let my emotions get so caught up in this that, that I am walking around with no peace. Will not happen. I have made a choice. Now, the quicksand principle has to be practiced, John. I talked about that earlier with getting to the middle of the mattress. You have to practice those things. They don't come automatically. You know, if you get into a river and uh, and get into a canoe, you automatically go downstream. You're not neutral. That's just the way life flows, the way the river flows. You have to practice paddling upstream to get to where you need to be. Otherwise, you're headed towards the waterfall. Sure. And so we had to practice this in some family situations. I've had to practice this in some church situations. And believe it or not, not all church people are friendly. (laughs) Every situation, they're not friendly. They can be pretty tough. But but I've learned to separate that. And I'll, I'll still try to help a person who's even upset with me. And I'll still try to fix the situation and everything in my power. But if they are intent on being offended or attend on being angry, then I am going to let go. I'm not going to let them pull me into an emotional state of not having peace because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And I'm not going to let any person on the face of the earth steal that away from me permanently. Temporarily, we all get frustrated. We all get a little quicksand on us, Mm -hmm. but we don't have to get pulled in sure and stuck and i I reminded like the airplane you know when you when you take an airplane ride what's the first thing they tell you they do the whole safety uh, routine and they say hey in case of emergency this oxygen mask will fall and what do they say put it on yourself first don't put it on the person next to you because you can't help anybody else out if you're dead i mean if you don't if you can't breathe you can't help anybody else but if you can get that oxygen mask on yourself you're going to be so much more of a benefit to others to be able to help them maybe get theirs on and, and do that once you've got yours. And I think that's kind of like that quicksand is that, just like you said, if I'm if people are pulling me in, I'm going to get stuck. I'm reminded of Galatians 6.1. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, okay, the sin of worry, fear, doubt, unbelief, stress, anxiety, whatever's causing him all this stuff, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Perfect scripture. I have never thought of that scripture in correlation to the quicksand principle. And are we to reach our hand out? Absolutely. We are called by God to bear each other's burdens, to be there for another one. If someone's in sin and they are struggling, they're sinking, we reach out our hand. But, I mean, the, the Bible encourages, be careful. 
that you don't fall into the same temptation, the same anger, the same bitterness. You take on their offense. You take on all the junk that's on them, and you start to get buried in the quicksand, right? I mean, so— yeah, Frustration that, is contagious. Yeah, it is. That's a great point. Yeah, and and you get that on you and that. So I love this quicksand principle. Um, let me let me do this to kind of, you know, we'll wrap up here in just a second. Um, let, Chris, kind of some closing thoughts on just kind of challenging the listeners today with this whole idea of living in the center of the mattress, not getting into the quicksand with people. Maybe just some a closing challenge, thoughts, or just something you want to say to the people. You know, I, I do feel to say this. I want to talk to mamas for just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I'm really big on this. And, and mamas, um, I know that with your children, things are sensitive. Um, I've seen it with my own mom. I've seen it with my own wife, how they view their children. And it's a different world. There's nothing that can even compare to it. Dads love their children just as equally, but mamas are different. But I'm going to say this to the gals and the mamas that are listening here uh, to this, this broadcast, that you need to understand the quicksand principle uh definitely applies to you as well. And, and I have moms get upset with me because they say, but it's my kids. And I'm like, yeah, but listen, you need to let go of your kids too. Don't let their emotional problems become yours. You're going to get upset. I understand that. But you can control whether or not you jump in the quicksand. So be encouraged with that. And you know what, folks, you can live consistently. You can live a consistent life, but you have to practice it. And I, I, there's such peace in it. If there's anybody that feels more peace than, than I do, then God bless them because I feel a whole lot of it. And I, I just want everybody to live peaceful and practice, practice, practice uh, living the consistent lifestyle. Good stuff. Chris Page in the house. Guys, tune in next month to Faithology Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Faithology Podcast. To get more of John's resources, visit his website at www.johnbarrettblog.com.